He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. Everybody head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything the good people at Golf Oklahoma have to offer, covering junior golf in the state, college golf, everything happening here as we lead up toward the PGA Championship in May of 2022. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to preview the Zozo Championship after the break, but first... I expected you to get your cloud up and get your money up, but don't worry. Daddy's home. And I know I miss Turn me up. Joining us now, Taylor Gooch, fresh off of the hole out on number 18 at the Summit Club for a Sunday 62 to get himself into the top five at the CJ Cup. And you uh, set your hole out to that song on Instagram, so we figured that'd be the best way to bring you into the show. What a finish. What a way to cap off a Sunday 62. How are you feeling standing in 18 fairways as you watch that ball disappear into the hole? Uh, man, it was... Uh... It was sweet. I uh, we so we couldn't see the hole. Uh, the the greens elevated, and but obviously the grandstand back there. And you know when the crowd reacted like they did, we me and my cat, we knew it went in. And I'd actually made a couple bogeys there Thursday and Friday. I was I think like six and five five under going to those holes Thursday Friday, and I just had a couple bad breaks on the hole and made bogey. And uh, when it went in on on Sunday, I looked at my caddy, gave him a big high five and said this this whole Otis owed us a couple so uh it was uh one of the one of the few times in this game where it feels like karma turned out on the good side for us tg sam here obviously great playing over the past few weeks uh and i want people to realize the fact that taylor gooch has moved up in the world rankings now to 51st in the world and top 50 in the world gets you pretty much in anything uh that you would want to play in and tg you did all that without a victory uh over the past year i mean over the past year tg were you pleased with how you played and uh just tell me a little bit about how your game feels Man, so I, you know, for about the last really six months, I've I've been playing some, uh, some good golf, and, and the results, uh, until the last you know month, month and a half, haven't haven't really reflected the quality of golf. Man, it's it's been a little bit frustrating, but also you know when you're playing good, you just you know you got to just keep your head down and know that the results are going to come. So, um, you know, I my my team is you know my caddy, my coach, trainer, like we all we've known that we were going to have some good stuff coming because I, I've just been playing too much good golf. Like I said, over the last six months to not start, you know, seeing some better results. So, uh, man, it's, it's been nice to, you know, finally have some, some stuff reflective of how good of golf I've been playing. So, you know, hopefully we can, uh, keep getting in, getting into traffic and, and we'll hit that W here sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, strokes gained approach. You've been one of the most consistent guys on tour. What's clicking with the irons and, and tell me a little bit, maybe more on the technical side that we wouldn't know, uh, just watching from the outside. Yeah. So until about early spring, uh, the previous probably year, year and a half on tour for, for my career, uh, you know, my iron game hadn't been as sharp as what um, I feel it could be, and as as sharp as 
I, what I'm capable of. And, and so it was, it was good kind of like, like I said, from about spring of 21 backtracking the previous year and a half, my, my game had to grow in some other areas. And, um, and so I've worked, worked hard, uh, you know, trying to get some, some, some of my iron control back and, you know, it started to come back late spring into summer. And, and, you know, I, I, I believe when I'm, you know, at, yeah, you know, swinging with what I'm capable of, I, I'm one of the best iron players in the game. And, and from that point, I just got to get the ball in the fairway and it's just a matter of how many putts drop. And so, you know, the last, you know, couple months, really, uh, the, the irons have just been really, really sharp. And I've, I've, one of the progressions in my game, uh, from, you know, right when I got on PJ tour to now is, you know, right when I got on tour, my irons were good, you know, my, my wedges were good, but, um, you know, I only had probably one or two gears, you know, it was an eight iron from 175 or an eight iron from, you know, 168. And that's what I was comfortable with, with an eight iron. Now, you know, I've kind of added some different gears where if I don't have those perfect numbers, I can still dial it in pretty good. And so it, you know, it's taken years of, of work and patience and, you know, dedication. Uh, but it, it's nice that, you know, the, the hard work I put in to kind of, gaining those layers of control with my approach game has have started to pay off. And um, this, this last weekend on Sunday, after I pulled out my caddy, who's now Baker's worked really hard with me to, to, you know, add some more gears to my approach game. Uh, he was pretty pumped and he goes, man, that was, a, that was the best wedge corners I think I've ever seen. Cause on Sunday I hit, you know, three or four wedges to gimme. And then on top of that, hold one out. So it was, uh, and it was it was a good culmination of a lot of a lot of hard work. Yeah, that's awesome stuff, TG. You've you've actually gained uh, more strokes every tournament you've played in 2022. So you're only getting better from here. And also looking at the analytics, you're gaining almost a full stroke around the green. So do you feel like along with your wedge game that you've been chipping better, bunker play better, all that stuff? Man, a, a little bit, and a little bit has to do with I'm just leaving myself in a good spot, you know. Um, Obviously, when, when you're having some higher finishes, the, the ball is kind of uh, figuring out how to get in the hole a little bit better. And, and at Napa, uh, a few weeks back now, I, I think I chipped in three times that week. And so, you know, I, I, I'm leaving myself in a good spot and just making the chips easier on me. You know, two, I think two of the three chips I made on, in Napa, they're the kind of chips that, you know, a 15 handicap is sitting there thinking this could go in. So um, it's, the, the stroke skating around the green is a little bit of an ode to my approaches as well to where, you know, when I'm not hitting it close and not hitting the greens, I'm leaving myself with some really, you know, simple stuff to, to get it closer and knock it in. I think you might be overestimating our good friends, the 15 handicaps of the world. <laughs> I'm not sure how many of those guys you play with. I play with quite a few of them, and I don't know how often they're trying to do anything more than get a chip off the ground and onto the green. Ah, touche, touche. <laughs> so, uh, is 62 the lowest round you fired on the PGA Tour? It is, yeah. Okay, yep. so okay, so that's I mean, it's obviously got to feel good. Now you're nearing the top 50 in the world. Is that something you think about at all? I know you just you go through your process. You're trying to get better, but I mean, top 50 opens up a lot of doors. That's uh, all the WGCs, all the majors, everything like that. I mean, those WGCs, free money events, no cuts, limited field, no cuts. Uh, kind of like this last week with the CJ Cup. That was a limited field, no cut, nine and a half million dollar purse. Um, those those things that come along with top 50 and just kind of your career ascending? Are those things that you think about? Yeah, I mean, 
there's there's no doubt uh, that as I say to people, the top fifty in the world is the honeypot on on in professional golf. You know, if if you can get there, that's really the first point in your career where you can basically let's call it January one. From January one, you can kind of set your schedule and you know exactly what you're doing. You know, like this past season, I played my way into the WGC match play and that was like week six in a row. And I would not have played the previous five weeks had I known that I was going to play in that tournament. And because of that, you know, I, I showed up to that tournament kind of gassed and I didn't play very well and I, you know, couldn't take advantage of, you know, a great opportunity. And, you know, most of the other guys that were in that field had scheduled their you know, their previous few weeks or months uh, leading into that tournament to prepare for, you know, a tournament like that. And so getting into that top 50, man, it, it's, it's, it's a huge goal. And, you know, I'm really hopeful in the next you know month and a half that I can uh, squeeze my way in because I'm very, um, I, I'm, I work really well with the schedule uh, in place. And, and if I can start in January one, have a schedule in place for, you know, the following 365 days, uh, I think we're going to be able to do some good. TG, you mentioned the top 50 is one of your biggest goals. Are you a guy that writes down your goals before uh, next season? Obviously, I mean, this season slash next season, it's kind of weird because it starts uh, before the end of the year. But are you a guy that writes down your goals? And, and tell me some of the other goals that you might have leading into uh, next calendar year. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, you often hear, you know, you know, write your goals down, make them tangible. Um, you know, for me, I learned early on when I wrote down goals, um, it, it kind of was counterproductive. It, it, I got too focused on things in the future, you know, trying to win this tournament or trying to get into this tournament that was, you know, well on down the road. And I learned that I lost sight of the day-to-day uh, stuff. And so, you know, I have two goals in mind and one that's, each day, each week, as cliche as this sounds, is to to get better, to, to figure out how to make progress. Um, and then my really my only other goal is I want to be number one ranked player in the world. And you know, to do that, obviously you got to win golf tournaments, you got to win majors, you got you know, there's all kinds of stuff you got to do along the way. But you know, for me, I, when I have those kind of intermittent goals of winning this tournament or doing this or top fifty in the world or whatever. It, it it's kind of it doesn't do me good, and so I, I have to stay focused on the day to day stuff. And with the overall goal being, I want I want to be the number one player in the world, and so that's that's kind of how I work. Uh, I know guys like you know Justin Thomas and you know other people who write goals down, and that works for them. But for me, it it doesn't do doesn't do me right. So I have to stay focused on the day to day stuff. TG, we talked a lot last time about how much, how many benefits there were to being a veteran on the tour. For example, not having to practice as intently when you get to a new course because you know how to play it and you know your course strategy and all that. Another year under your books, even even better year than, than you've had in the past. So what um, what other benefits have you seen be another year out on the tour? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, like we've talked in, in the past, you know, comfort is, is the key to golf uh, on, on the PJ Tour, I think. And that's why you see guys who have been out there for years and years just continue to get more and more comfortable, and that usually breeds success. And so, you know, playing course like at Napa a few weeks back, um, you know, I, I on Wednesday the greens were already starting to get a little bit firm, and I was sitting there looking or talking with my caddy, looking at a bunch of the, you know, the new rookies who had just graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour. 
and say, man, they, these guys just, they don't realize how this course is going to play, how it's going to change, you know, over the next three or four days. And now being, you know, having played that tournament four or five times now, I'm like, I, I know what to expect. I don't, I'm not going to be surprised on Saturday afternoon on hole 12 when, you know, so back left pin, when I land a pin high and it, it goes over. Like, I've, I've done that now. I've made that mistake. And now I know where I need to miss it here. And, and so just the, the more time and more experience you have on these courses and, and understanding the nuances of it, it it's just such a – it just makes you so comfortable and, and so confident in, in what you're doing and you're not kind of guessing. And so course knowledge is it's pretty fascinating to me once you've played these courses a number of times. Do you have notes that you refer to? Does your caddy have notes? Is this something that you're you're studying years past notes leading up to that week's tournament? How do you try to make sure that those mistakes you made in the past at courses that you're not forgetting this stuff and that whenever you step on the property that week, you're you're very much aware of where you need to hit it, where you need to miss it, all that stuff. Yeah, and you know, so usually um, it's not there's not like a huge list of things that are surprising or things that you need to take note of. Usually it'll stand out and, and it's kind of more of a, an overlying theme of how the week's going to go. Like I said, in Napa, for example, you know, I know if the greens on Wednesday are bouncing like this, then as long as there's no rain or, you know, any kind of water uh, that comes in over the next few days, I know it's going to change significantly. Um, and, And just, Kind of like that, you know, the overlying themes, knowing, you know, at the Arnold Palmer, whenever on Wednesday, whenever I'm in the Pro-Am and I go hit a few more balls out of the rough to know, you know what, we can get six iron out this week or, you know what, we can't get more than an eight iron out this week. And so knowing, you know, where to kind of push the limits uh, with certain shots and and just with the conditions of the course, uh, because it it just varies so much week to week. And, you know, at that level on PJ tour, the difference between winning and 30th is, is really not a whole significant, you know, significantly huge difference. And so the, the little fine nuances are, are very crucial and just being aware of what to look out for. uh, It's everything. And, and, you know, for me, my eye, when I'm on a course, like a lot of golfers, there's tee shots where you're just like, that, that doesn't look good. Or there's approach shots where you're like, man, I just it makes me want to hit this left, or, you know, whatever. And so you don't know those things until you've been there and done it. But usually that doesn't change over time. Usually, I mean, as you all know, it's like when you go to the same course you've been to 20 times, you know, usually that same tee shot that's a little bit uncomfortable, the first, second, third time, it's, not usually getting a whole lot more comfortable the more you play it. You just have to learn how to play it a little bit better. And so, you know, there's some tee shots where in the past on, you know, Arnold Palmer, I know there's – so number nine is a it's a good par four. Um, and there's a bunker up the left. And a driver can cover the bunker, and you'd like to hit driver there uh, because if you don't hit driver, you're going to have, you know, four, five, six iron in. Uh, but I just – I now know through experience, like, if I'm not comfortable with the driver th- that week, then I'm definitely not going to be hitting driver there because for whatever reason, that tee ball, it just it makes me uncomfortable. And so I'm going to hit three-wood or something that's going to lay me back and it's going to keep me, you know, in a position to still make a, you know, an easier par than, you know, hitting driver and bringing more into play. And so 
you know, there's certain shots throughout the week that you kind of become aware of that are uncomfortable. And for me, at least, that never really changes over time. You just learn how to deal with them a little bit better. TG, obviously, uh, since last time we talked, I can't remember if uh, it was before or after, but you're father to a beautiful baby girl, uh, Collins Gooch, and obviously, you know, that has to have changed so many things in your personal and uh, professional golf life. What has it changed in your personal life, and and has Taylor Gooch, the golfer, changed at all uh, since Collins was born? You know, it's funny, a lot of people kind of prior to uh, baby girl getting here were talking about, you know, how much less time you're going to have, obviously with, you know, the, you know, having a baby girl and how it could affect golf, like in a negative way. And then I was talking with, uh, Matt Jones, who's been on tour for, you know, a dozen years. He won the Honda this past Matt season. We had to hit it for you. Any, anytime Matt Jones is mentioned on the show, we push the button anytime, no exceptions. Well, all right. I was going to say, what, what, what What's the backstory there? Uh, Matt Jones wanted the Honda Classic, and I think Sam Texas, because Mike Jones was in, like, Chandler or something doing a concert, and Sam Texas was like, oh, man, I wish we could make a Matt Jones remix of the Mike Jones sound, and so I just got my audio editing software and did it. Oh, that's classic. Anyways, I hate that you were saying something serious, but you have to hit it every time Matt Jones is said. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Anyways, go ahead. What was Matt Jones saying? So he has has a few kids, and he goes, man, he goes, my golf got better because my, like, time away from the course got more structured. And uh, and that's kind of how it's been for me, where my practice and preparation at home, uh, you know, I, I don't just have nothing to do when I'm at home other than golf now. So I, you know, my practice and my prep at home is, it's just more scheduled, um, more structured. And like I said, I, I, I do, I do well with schedules and, and structure. And so, you know, my preparation is, is just more dialed in at home. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's been a bit that I was actually telling my, my neighbor, if I keep playing golf like this, we might have a dozen kids before this career's over. <laughs> TG, I mean, are you changing diapers? Like, whose job is that? How does the how does your role work around the house? Well, she's only you know a little over three months old now, so um, I'm pretty much changing diapers and hanging out. <laughs> my Allie, my wife, has been, been you know just awesome. She's you know breastfeeding and and. Uh, kind of the main source and caretakers. So there's not a whole lot I can do other than kind of uh, pat her on the back, change the diaper when she needs to be changed, and uh, make sure I don't drop the kid. <laughs> yes, I think as a man we have to delegate those responsibilities to, to the wife. Absolutely. <laughs> well, TG, one thing, me and Colby need some help here because I was scrolling through the analytics site, and it's got the age here, and it goes by the month. It says – 29 years, 11 months. So one of the things about being one of the best golfers in the world, you got a Wikipedia page. So I click on here. I see November 14th is your birthday. You'll be 30th, or you'll be 30 on November 14th. Me and Colby will both be 30 in about a year. Sam's got a little bit to go, but what should we do? You're going to throw a big party, big rager? What's the plan for the 30th? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I'm going to be on the road. I'm playing, I think that's the Houston tournament. Uh, I think it's, I don't know, Friday or Sunday of the Houston tournament. And then uh, I go straight from there to... Sea uh, Island for uh, the RSM uh, tournament, but I have a uh, nine-liter bottle of champagne 
uh, here at the house. That's, in case anyone's wondering, it's 12 <laughs> bottles worth. Uh, so I got a nine liter bottle of champagne that I'm going to have to get uh, a bunch of people to come over for uh, when I get back, and we're going to try to pop that thing and uh, see if we can drink it all. So I think that's the plan as of now. Do you have to special order a nine liter bottle of champagne? Where do you get a nine liter bottle of champagne? Well, uh, a couple years ago, I was playing the NASA tournament and did a little wine uh, wine visit to a few different places. And one of the places there is called Stromsburg. And it's, uh, they make sparkling wine, which is champagne. And uh, and they had a, is this huge bottle. And I was like, well, can I buy that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, can I ship that home? They're like, yeah, we'll take care of it. So I was like, I don't know if I have enough friends to drink a nine-liter bottle of champagne but i'm gonna try to figure it out so bought the champagne and uh we're gonna try to figure it out <laughs> it's funny that he brought that up about you turning 30 because our mutual friend uh obviously caleb price turned 30 the other day and i couldn't believe it i thought he was turning 40 the guy has been balding <laughs> since he's like 12 uh but speaking of friends obviously uh you and max home have been playing some good golf is that just kind of a competition breed success type of deal man he's uh he's playing such good golf and you know, it's funny. We, he's a year older than me and he, he's been on tour a couple more years than I have, but for whatever reason, once I got out on tour and we started playing scratch rounds together and spending more time together, man, we just, we started to play, play good. And so we, uh, we were like, man, we just need to keep hanging out keep playing some good golf. And it was funny at the Napa tournament, which he ended up winning on uh Thursday, we, we both had a good, good round. I think he shot like five or six under. I think I was three or four under or something. And uh, and I texted him uh, right when we got done. And I was like, hey, uh, his wife and my wife were there. And I was like, hey, there's a there's this winery uh, that we're going to go visit this afternoon. I'm like, you want to come visit? Like with us, bring, bring your wife. And I was like, yeah, of course. So we go there and this place is called Donna Estate. And Donna, somehow, some way, in another language stands for generous and sure enough he goes well this is just perfect this just means the birdies are going to be generous for us this week he's like so we need to drink a lot of this so we uh had some wine and sure enough the birdies were generous that week because he won i finished fourth and uh it was it was a good week so it's uh man he's, he's one of my best buds out there and he's playing some good golf and we uh we talk all the time about how we look forward to uh, hopefully being teammates in the Ryder Cup someday. That would be absolutely incredible. So you told us uh, that day we were all together at Sam's house that you are a big wine guy. So that was the whole Napa week. Saw the pictures, you, your wife, uh, the baby out in Napa. Obviously, you're hanging out with Max. You finished fourth. He finished his first. Just what was that whole week like out in Napa? Man, it was it was crazy. It was uh, so the first first trip that we bring our baby girl for. So that was uh, a journey. But fortunately, she traveled really well. Didn't hardly cry on the planes. We we super blessed, and uh, but we got there Sunday afternoon before the tournament week, and I didn't touch a club Monday or Tuesday. We just did uh, some wine tasting, did some dinners, had some other friends come in uh, to hang out, and so um, you know we were laughing because I didn't touch a club Monday or Tuesday, and went and finished fourth that week. So maybe maybe a little bit less golf would be better for my golf. Who knows? But it was a uh, Man, it was, a, it was a great week. It's one of our favorite places in the world. We always, I always say this when we're out there. I'm like, these people don't serve this place because these people are all crazy out here, and it's just so beautiful, and it's great wine, <laughs> great food. Like, these people don't deserve it. 
But that's always, man, that's always one of my favorite weeks of the year. You know, TG, last week on the 73rd hole, we drafted golfers for a FedEx Cup race uh, into the season, and I got you with the 30th pick. The disrespect these two guys were showing you was just unbelievable. I had to make the steal of the draft, but we have not decided what we're playing for. What should we play for? What should the winner get of our 73rd hole golf pool, TG? Oh, man. Should, should there be a winner, or th- should there just be one loser? So, Colby, that's the question. Explain how it Okay, so, so this is, is what we're going to do. So we started, and like Rom was the first pick, DJ Morikawa, all those guys. We come down. We've each got 10 guys on our roster, and it's for the entire FedEx Cup season. So after the Tour Championship next year, we're going to take the final FedEx Cup rank of our 10 players, add it up, whoever has the lowest number wins, whoever has the highest number loses. So there needs to be something for the winner that, that's good. There needs to be something for the loser that's bad. And whoever finishes second, you just kind of hang out in the middle. You're like Switzerland. You're neutral. You, you don't get anything, but you don't have to pay anything. I like it. So so we do a little golf trip, a bunch of my buddies. Y'all know a few of them. Uh, and we uh, – The Malapeno. like a – that's right. And so we we don't have a winner. We only have one loser. And so what we do what we do for the guy who loses, we had a purse made. And it has the logo embroidered on it. And um the the loser throughout the you know, next three hundred and sixty one days before we go to the tournament the following year, um, has to have the purse on them if there is more than one member of the group in a setting <laughs> so if y'all uh y'all are more than welcome to still uh steal that little idea because uh it is great and also if uh if the loser doesn't have the purse on him and there's more than one member of the malapino in that setting uh the the loser has to take a shot and uh <laughs> so it, it 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 can be and it's it's not like a it's a fun shot. It's it, it's a uh, it's usually something that's not enjoyable. So uh, it's a it's a fun little punishment thing that we got with uh, with our buddies. And y'all are more than welcome to to steal that idea. Um, so so what, I, I, what? I don't know. I don't know about the winner. Uh, that could go a bunch of different ways. I'm more I'm I'm more into the who's the loser. So what should we call it? We haven't even brought like a name to it yet. So if we had a purse, we need to like incorporate the person in the name probably like race to dubai or fedex cup <laughs> like what what should it be right, called right worse gets the purse yeah, worse gets the purse worse nah. gets, gets the purse we could yeah. do that it's rhyming it's not great but so, sam you look good with the purse <laughs> <laughs> tg uh so did you get a chance to watch the Ryder cup and if so uh were you motivated uh you know by watching the u.s win and and just tell me a little bit about what you saw at the Ryder cup yeah man it was uh, it was kind of what I expected. Um, you know, obviously, historically, people kind of view the Ryder Cup uh, as like the U.S. is kind of it's a letdown how the performance has been, you know, over the last 20 years, I'd say. And, um, you know, I was telling a lot of people uh, before this year's Ryder Cup, everyone was kind of saying the same thing. They're like, ah, oh, man, like, you think we're going to have another letdown and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, guys, this is like, Y'all realize this is like a new generation of, of players where, you know, the guys we've seen kind of for the past 20 years, like people don't realize, you know, the 90s and it, like, you know, the prior to basically 2000, like the Ryder Cup, it just, it didn't have the worldly draw and the draw from the United States. Um, like it, it just didn't have the entries that it has turned into in the last 20 years. And, 
you know, so the guys that were on the team for the, you know, through the 2000s and, you know, early 2010, 12, you know, that era, it just, it wasn't as meaningful to them as what I think our generation now sees it as. And most of the team was our generation, you know, everything from Colin Morikawa to Daniel Berger to Patrick Cantlay, you know, guys are 23 to 29 years old. And so we, we grew up seeing us get butt handed to us. And, you know, I think all of us like want to change that. And so you have this young group of guys that come in and, you know, they just kind of changed the ball game and it, it, meet, it meant something to them. And, um, you know, the old adage of, you know, the Euro, the Euros grow up, like it's such a big deal to them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that's not the case because it is, but I think it's now becoming as much the case over here as it is, you know, as it was for all the Euros growing up. And so I think I was actually talking with some guys this last week about it. Uh, I played with Sergio on Saturday. We were talking about it. Um, played with someone else who was on the U.S. Uh, anyways, uh, I was like, man, the Europeans are, are in a little bit of trouble right now for the next 20 years because um, we're stacked. Like, we're we're super deep in talent right now. So, what did Sergio say when you said that? Oh, I didn't. I didn't say that to him. I didn't. Oh. Rub it. I just. I just. No, no. I just was talking to him about the about the week. You know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't say you guys. I didn't say. You, you guys aren't going to win one for 20 years. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so, so what all was Sergio saying? I'm sure our listeners would love a sneak peek into that conversation. Yeah, man, dude, he's he's one of the best dudes out there. He's a blast to play with. Uh, but we were actually talking about, because um, he lives in Austin. And uh, so I told I'm going down this weekend to uh, the F1 race in Austin. Yes. And so I asked him, I was like, are you going to be there? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so we were talking about, you know that stuff for most of the race because he got invited by Ferrari to come hang out for the week. So I was uh, kind of drooling over what his weekend's going to look like. Uh, his weekend's going to be awesome. So are you just going down to go down, or are you an F one fan? Uh, I've become in the last three years an F one fan thanks to uh, Netflix. So I'm 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 going down to the race and uh, I'm bringing a couple buddies, and we're gonna we got some tickets for the race. One of my sponsors is. Uh, has a has like a suite there basically in the paddock, so we're we're gonna go have a good time. That sounds awesome. Uh, last F one question, and then we'll move on for our listeners. Uh, Verstappen or Hamilton? Ah, uh, both. Any just anyone but Ricardo. Anyone but Ricardo. And what you just yeah, think he's it, fake on the Netflix show or what? I just uh, he thinks he's pretty hot stuff, and I mean, other than winning one race, that like I think either Lewis or uh, Verstappen crash or we're in it or something like other than that like he what he just he's he's pretty big for his britches i feel and plus my caddy is from the same hometown as him so i gotta give my caddy crap all the time about how much he sucks that's perfect that's perfect okay so back to the Ryder cup uh one of the most heartwarming things that week was the coming together the brotherly love shared by bryson dechambeau and brooks kepka this was a whole big storyline all year it kind of came to a head at caves valley when bryson was in the playoff and it got all aggravated with the fans and everything is that something that 
you know, was was that locker room talk at all for, for the players on the tour? Is that something that y'all totally ignored? Because all year it was like this big thing, and then at the Ryder Cup, it was like everybody hug, brotherly love, it's all good. We got faces on T-shirts. They're playing the match after Thanksgiving. What What's that been like for everybody else on tour to kind of watch that from inside the ropes play out all year and the fan behavior and all, all that kind of stuff? You know, we all I feel kind of have the same thought of it. It's like it's, I think it's good for the game to have – you know, a little bit of tension and to have some competitive juices going, you know, it's a, like we've talked about in the past, it's a, it's a gentleman's game, but, you know, I, I think we could be a little bit edgier at times. So, you know, no, everybody is kind of within the ropes, you know, is, is okay with how it's all gone about. But, you know, like I said, that team, like it, it matters to them uh, to go win the Ryder cup. And they knew like, all right, we got to get everyone on the same page. And so, uh, there's no surprise that they kind of, you know, hashed it out. And uh, it's also no surprise that they now have a, uh, a 12 hole match upcoming. So it's, uh, I think it's, it's worked out for both of them in their favor. And I'll, I don't think it's uh, by chance either. Yeah, TG. So one, one question I got for you, you know, we, we know that you're a big football fan and all. Are we going to have a uh, Bedlam matchup of undefeated teams at the end of the year? I, I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I just don't see that. I, I've been – I'm shocked uh, that OSU is uh, undefeated at this point in time, uh, but somehow they keep figuring out how to win. Uh, it would be awesome if it was an undefeated matchup, but I would be shocked. TG, now tell me, are you, do you root for OU football since you grew up an OU fan? Yeah, I root for them until they play OSU. Okay, okay. good answer. All right. Good answer. I'm like, there's answer. no way he's rooting for OU in Bedlam or else. Cool, <laughs> buddy. Yeah. Yeah, there's only I only have one enemy, and that's Texas. So we're good on that. There we go. There right, we go. So speaking of OU OSU, I mean, you're at the top of the leaderboard. Abraham Answer was up there. Ricky Fowler was up there. Uh, ever any bedlam trash talk that goes on on the tour? Oh yeah, I mean, for example, uh, like I said, with even Sergio this last week, he lives in Austin, and that's where he's lived since coming to the United States. So he is uh, taken on becoming a Longhorn fan somehow. So. I was talking a little smack on uh, Saturday when I played with them. Um, but, I mean, whenever I – when we see Abe and, you know, anybody uh, who played at OU or OSU on tour, there's always always a little bit of talk. It, it, it doesn't get too crazy, but we'll always talk a little bit of crap to each other. Very nice, very nice. So, OU and OSU college golf, two of the top teams in the country, both in the Final Four last year, going to be in the East Lake Cup in a couple of weeks. Both have a guy in the PGA Tour U top five. I mean, the state of college golf, is there a better state for college golf anywhere in the country than Oklahoma? Man, if you look at, you know, the last 10, 15 years, it's it's tough to, to say otherwise, you know. Uh, both from uh, the collegiate, you know, achievement to uh, – you know, turning guys to the PJ Tour, and um, man, we're, we've got something cool going. And there's a bunch of guys that are staying around here too, which is cool. And so, uh, Oklahoma has got a special little something going right now with the golf world. That's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, what kind of advice would you give to some of these young guys, such as Austin Eckroad or Quade Cummins, uh, or even the younger guys that have had success, such as Matt Wolf or uh, Victor Hovland? Like, what kind of advice would you give those guys? Because you've done this, um, you know, all since. If you go back to the Shriners two years ago, you were in the two hundreds. Now you're fifty first in the world. Uh, so, what advice would you give to them to kind of, you know, build their way up the rankings? Man, it just it comes back to figuring out how 
how you work the best. You know, like I said early on, I was setting goals and I figured out that didn't work for me. For some people, it might work. You know, I, I figured out on Tuesdays playing nine holes is, is more beneficial to me than playing 18. You know, it's, it's figuring out your own schedule and what works best for you. Um, and again, you know, you just have to, the old adage, you just got to work hard, man. You got, you got to put the time in. You have to put your head down when the results aren't coming and still believe in yourself, you know, and, and it, it's all, there's, there's really no secrets. You know, if there was a, if there was a secret, then uh, there'd be a lot of people having a lot more success, but man, it just, it comes down to, you got to believe in yourself. You got to work hard. You got to stay patient and um, you know, don't, don't get too down on yourself in this game because this game uh, is about as humbling as it gets. No doubt about it. All right, what uh, what's on the schedule coming up between now and the end of the year for you? Um, it'll kind of be dependent on our world rankings, kind of how that uh, changes over the next few weeks. But uh, as of right now, um, I'm going to play Mayakoba in Mexico. Then I'll play Houston and RSM. So the last three regular, you know, the last three tournaments of the fall schedule, uh, unless I go do something and, and crack that top fifty, then I might. You know, might chill for a tournament or two. Uh, all right, so now let's move on. Now, enough golf. Enough golf. You're a big NBA guy. NBA season starts tonight. I look across at me, and I see a Thunder number zero jersey. Number zero no longer <laughs> plays for the Thunder. He's now a Laker. Uh, how do you feel about the NBA season getting going? Give us a finals prediction. Which two teams make it, and who wins? Ah, oh, man. Um, Putting you on the spot. So, I... I will. I selfishly want Russ to get a ring, so I'm just going to say the Lakers go and win. I don't know if they will, but that's just the, the emotional side of me. They go and win. Um, Eastern Conference, man, if nothing would lead you to believe this, but something in me is saying that in Philly they figure out how to make the team gel. I feel, feel like they, they could – get something going and make a little bit of a run and, and they just, you know, in spite of kind of all the drama that's happened, they, they figure out how to come together and, and make something happen. Now, um, TG, you heard it just came out about 10 minutes ago that they fined Ben Simmons $1.4 million, uh, for reasons unknown. Well, that's that's unfortunate. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would say that for that prediction to come true, you're going to need them to trade Ben Simmons, which is very much a possibility. Which, well, and that's the thing. Like, I think that they could. I think they could get something for him, but I don't know. I just. I think that there's. There's been so much talk, so much hype, and they've they've been close. Um, and that's even with Ben Simmons not doing a whole lot at times. Um, but I don't know. I. I, I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be an interesting season. Um, I just don't want to say the Bucks, you know, in the Eastern Conference. That's what like everyone's gonna say, even though Giannis is my dude. Um, Bucks and Nets are yeah, most popular, yeah. Yeah, and I can't say Nets because I, I mean, obvious reasons. Uh, you're, you're scared of Nets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's I just anything KD's a part of, I just can't say that, you know. So. Um, my, in an ideal world, I would love for the Lakers to be the Nets in the final. Oh, that would be Not, nothing. Would, nothing would make me happier. That would be electric. Your boy Max Homa might be able to get you some tickets to that. Is he going to take you to some games this year? Yeah, so we play at Riviera, which is in LA, in 
February. Your, I fav- say your favorite it's, course, it's, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it's up there. And it's usually around all-star break is when we're there. So hopefully it's not during all-star break. Uh, but if, if I'm there that week and they're playing at home, I'm, cause I've never been to a game at Staples. So I'm, I'm all in if I can. No doubt. And I got you, I got to get you that uh, Dame jersey. It's been hanging up in my study every day I'm working and I'm looking at Lillard on the back in my study because I haven't gotten you that Russ, or that uh, Dame jersey yet. So I got to get that too. Well, I'll get it because that's going to be uh, uh, one of my games I go to. A buddy of mine just hooked me up with some tickets to when they come to Oklahoma City, I'm going to be in town. So even though I, you know, I love my squad, I might have to wear the Dame jersey to <laughs> to the game so the deal was back when we made that bet i was getting married and then i went on my honeymoon and that's right when the jersey came in and then tg's been playing all around the world so i haven't gotten it to him yet it's not like i haven't been trying to get it to you tg no you're good i know i'll get it eventually (laughs) you you know he's good for it because it's already been delivered so (laughs) yeah correct you know i'm not gonna wear it nah that's exactly yeah when in doubt, I make a bet with Sam, and you're guaranteed winning. <laughs> when in doubt, make a bet with Sam. <laughs> Sam's been on a good run of bad luck for, I don't know, eight months? Not anymore. Hey, turn it around this weekend. It was a good weekend for him. Uh, TG, have have a great season, man. Enjoy the rest of the year. Enjoy your baby girl. We look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right, sounds good, fellas. Enjoyed it. We'll talk soon. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, dude. That was our man Taylor Gooch joining us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Oklahoma. Always great to have TG on with us. Always so gracious with his time. Make sure you follow him, Twitter and Instagram, Taylor Gooch, 51st ranked player in the world and rapidly climbing on the heels of uh, three finishes, fourth, 11th, and fifth so far to start off his season with a few more starts to make before the end of the year. Big thanks to him for joining us once again here on the 73rd hole. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. We're going to preview the Zozo Championship. They're headed back over to Narashino Country Club, the home of Tigers' 82nd win. We'll relive that a little bit and talk about who we think might hoist the trophy this week. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Always love when Taylor Gooch can join us. Everybody hit him up on Twitter and Instagram. Let him know how much you enjoyed him here on the 73rd hole. I know that he would appreciate seeing that as we appreciate him taking some time out of his day. Gentlemen, 
Zozo Championship. We are headed back across the pond and then across the other pond. We are headed to Japan, the site of Tiger's 82nd win. I was reading a quote earlier today on Twitter. I think maybe Kyle Porter put it out from Gary Woodland talking about playing with Tiger that weekend and Gary Woodland talking about how there are definitely more wins coming and all this stuff. Now, obviously, you can't predict the injuries and everything like that, but what Gary Woodland said was, the ball striking display I've seen over the last two days is ridiculous. This is coming from a man who had won the U.S. Open about three months prior. It's just, this was the site of golf history with Tiger tying Sam Snead. It was it was awesome. We didn't know exactly what it was going to look like that week. All the rain. They had a par four. I think it was the 10th where the pond came up. They had to shorten it to a par three. Uh, but it ended up being a great tournament. They had the the kind of fun PR thing earlier in the week with Jason Day, Roy McIlroy, Hideki Matsuyama, and Tiger. And it was just... It was a fun week, and it's cool that they're going back over there, and we kind of get to relive some of those memories. Yeah, unfortunately, the best part of that week is not there, unfortunately, with Tiger. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, we got that going on. But nevertheless, I, I do remember one of my favorite memories from that tournament was, I think it's the 16th hole that's a part three, and Tiger had stepped up, and, you know, he's he can kind of have the big miss every once in a while. But he stepped up, and he aimed at the left side of the green with the water left and hit about a 10-yard fade, one of the most beautiful shots I ever saw. And it's... It's so nice to be able to remember that step, but yet it, it upsets your stomach because you're like, man, I hope I get to see it again. There's that really hard par four on the front, too, that had the split greens that they were using where there's water left, tree in the middle of the fairway, and Tiger was lining it up over the edge of the water on that hole with driver and just playing a little butter cut out into the left center of the fairway. And it's like the control he had of his golf ball that week. I mean, there was really only ever one guy who was going to win that tournament. He was dialed in, and that was at a point where he'd won the Masters, uh, you know, a year prior, he'd won the Tour Championship, and then he wins the Zozo, and we think he'll, he'll just keep winning a couple times a year, and then all the injuries and things happen, so hopefully he can get back to that point, because, I mean, it's like Gary Woodland said, even at 45 years old, whenever he, or 44 years old, when he was on, he was on, and, and when he does things with his irons, and when he has control of his golf ball, it's unlike anybody in the history of the game, so hopefully we'll get to see him back at Narasino at some point to, to replicate that success. Uh, some decent names in the field this week. Not quite the strength of field that we had a week ago for the CJ Cup. Taylor, you got strength of field pulled up? I do. I already looked at it, so what are y'all going to guess? I'll guess 380. This is, so Morikawa, Shafle. I'm just going in order of DraftKings price. Morikawa, Shafle, Zalatoris, Matsuyama, Fleetwood, Neiman. It starts to descend pretty quickly. Rapidly. Uh, I don't maybe know. Maybe I'm too high. I maybe. don't know that we're getting in the threes. I'm going to go 2... 37. 315. 234. Uh, very, yeah. very nice, very nice, Colby. It's Only, um, Zalatoris is 31, so I'll go ahead and say six. You got six players in the top 31 of the world rankings. The next is 40th with Fleetwood. Then you scroll down, a lot of guys playing in the 200 to 300 range. Real, so, real quick, Tyler, do they have Paul Casey listed there on the strength of field? Uh, yes, they do. Okay, then, then it'll go down even more because he withdrew on Monday. Okay, so then, yeah, he was the 27th-ranked player in the world, so you got the 3rd-ranked, 5th-ranked, 19th-ranked, then it goes down to 30th, Joaquin Neiman, 4th-ranked best player in the field. Okay, yep, so it'll go down even a little bit more than once they uh, once the Paul Casey withdrawal kicks in. Yeah, that, so it'll 220s be... 220s or something. Yeah, maybe even lower than that to mid... It won't get down to the 190s, but... Yeah. Can y'all tell me who Datagolf has as the 10th best favorite this week? 10th? The fact that you asked the question makes me think it's Ricky. The, the fact that we're sitting on the same side, so I, I my eyes went to what was highlighted, <laughs> so I don't want to cheat here. So It's not what's highlighted. Oh, really? Okay, no. well, then 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 I can go ahead and guess. Uh, Streber? Ricky? Nope. Here, I'll, I'll go, let's see, who's 10th in the world? Let's see, 4th. Uh, Xander? 
Definitely uh, Xander's the favorite. I was fixing to say Xander's the favorite. Uh, the two guys right there would be Higo or Eric Van Royen, somewhere in there. Tringali. Tringali. So it, 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 it literally goes Shoffley, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Matsuyama, Neiman, and then it goes big drop-off after Neiman. It goes Vegas, McNeely, Fleetwood, Norin, Hoffman, Bradley, and Tringali. Okay. The um, Pretty uh, crazy how big of a drop. You don't normally see that big of a drop-off like That's right pretty then. significant. It's pretty significant. Tringali's 69th-ranked player in the world. Just wanted to say that. Nice. Well done. That's the golden ranking. I think the 69th player in the world should get into the uh, WGCs. One, one through 50, then 69? Yes. Yes, 100%. Maybe even the 420th ranked player in the world, if we're feeling generous. But then we might get somebody out there shooting high scores. We might not want that. So <laughs> you're, uh, you're 390th in the world. You start tanking. <laughs> DraftKings, we ready? I'm in. All right, I'll get us started because I've got the all soundboard team this week. My cheapest option, 7,000. <laughs> then we're going to find our best friend, Doug, and then we're going to give him a best friend hug. That just made me think one of these days we need to uh, ask TG if he has any good Doug Gim stories and then we can fire up the sounder. <laughs> since, yeah. since we played our Matt Jones sounder for him. Exactly. So you're going middle lineup this week. Uh, somewhat, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not running out more Kyle or Shoffley if that's what you're asking. Well, it, it that kind of surprises me because, you know, <laughs> this is one of those weeks where I feel like there's not as many good guys in the middle. So why wouldn't you go with the guys at the top? Uh, I do feel like there's some value in the middle, and I've still got one guy semi at the top who I think is going to win the tournament. So, All right. Well, I'm going way low. I'm going Sung Kang at 6,300. He's made four of four cuts. Uh, so hopefully Sung Kang at 6,300 can make the cut for me because I'm going top-loaded this week. Yeah, so my next couple picks are, it's not necessarily I think these guys are going to win the tournament, but they're both sub-6,600, and I just think that they'll outplay their value, especially with no cut. 6,400, give me uh, Wyndham Clark, guy he played at OSU, then went to Oregon. So uh, I, he hasn't been playing that well this year. Neither has my next pick, but I just think that with the value, I think that they'll outplay being a bottom 10 to 15 player in this field. 6,600, give me long bomber Brandon Hagee. I think I think that he's going to play well. Definitely six to six hundred. I think he'll play closer to seven thousand, maybe even a little higher. No, he's not yep. going to finish fiftieth or sixtieth, in my opinion. I'm going Wyndham Clark, Colby. Wyndham Clark, man, you are going cheap. Uh, Seventy two hundred. I already told you, I've got the all soundboard team this week. Matt down, Matt down, Matt down. Matt Jones, that's my guy, 7,200. He and Doug Gim are going to lead me to victory on DraftKings. Uh, and then now the rest of the way, um, I mean, I've got a couple local guys on here. And the first one, Robert Streb. Robert Streb is playing good golf, man. This is not like some sort of homer pick because he's a local guy. He's 7,700 on DraftKings. He's been playing legitimately yep. good golf Finished lately. tied for ninth last yeah. week. Yeah, and he's been For he's that been reason, I'm picking Robert Streb as well. T-Dub. Robert Streb. Taylor? I will not be having the Strebber this week. He almost made it into my lineup, but hit the button for me, Colby. Which one? Matt Jones. Matt <laughs> Matt down. Matt down. Who? Matt Jones. Three seventy two hundred. Got to play it. Seventy two hundred. I mean, got to go with it. I mean, when I saw that value, I thought he's going to be closer to eight thousand, especially with this field. Seventy two hundred. I'm all about it. Then my next pick might be. Not Sam's favorite player because uh, Cameron Smith definitely has a hold on that spot. But give me the one of the best names on the tour. Give me old Johnny Vegas. Finished, oh, great name. Finished 14th last week at the Summit Club. I think he's on some In good form. Vegas. Very good point. There you that go. That might have been why he played good, so hopefully it's not the case. Vegas in Vegas. Sam? All right, then I'm going 8,300 Ryan Palmer. 
Oh. A, a guy that grew up close to there <laughs> in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> yeah, just a short fly yeah. away. No, but, you know, Ryan Palmer, he seems like a guy that, you know, can make the cut. Uh, obviously, last year, if I look at his stats uh, total, he was gaining point. Eight nine shots on the field per round. You know he's only play had one start this year. Didn't play that well. Uh, so you know I, I think that Ryan Palmer is a guy that can make the cut at eighty three hundred. And for my lineup, I was top loading, so I have two more guys after this. So I think that uh, if you're looking in the eight thousands, I think Ryan Palmer uh, is a good pick to you know at least make the cut and get you some points on the weekend. So I'm going with a lot of guys I like this week. I'm going to continue that trend at eight thousand with my next pick. It's my close personal friend Matt Wallace. My close. <laughs> personal friend Matt Wallace can't believe I haven't gotten him on the pod yet I uh, should have gotten his number that day at Pebble whenever he hit a ball over by me in the gallery but I didn't so here we are Matt Wallace 8,000 uh, and then my next pick I mean guys he's just about due isn't he almost got it done last week putter didn't cooperate got some ties to Japan some grandparents over there Ricky Fowler 98 100 on DraftKings. I'm risking it for the biscuit. Go Pokes. Orange Power. Give me Ricky at 9,800. Talk about a guy that's due. I think it's Hideki Matsuyama, and that's my winner of the tournament this week. A guy, obviously, from Japan at 10,300 this week. Uh, Four of four cuts made, two top tens. And so I think that Hideki Matsuyama is your winner of the tournament at the Fortinet Championship. And if I go back a couple weeks ago, I picked Matt Wolf, and he finished second. I picked Rory last week. He finished first. So I think that uh, Hideki uh, is going to continue that trend for me, the lucky number three. So, Sam, from what I'm seeing here, you're going with some guys that have good course history here. Hideki finished second mm-hmm. here in 2019. Ryan Palmer finished 10th here. Yep. Didn't, didn't shoot around the I didn't know seven. that Ryan Palmer finished 10th, but I'll like it. I like it. I'm just making your case even better, Sam. That's Perfect. all I'm doing here. Perfect. So, I'm going to go with, I mean, he's probably the kiss of death because Kobe picked him. Give me Ricky Fallon. I, I liked what I saw last week. I mean, I saw the inconsistency, but at the same time, I saw... Uh, flashes of brilliance, and so he, he went and saw the guru, Butch Harmon. Anyone who goes to Butch and then leaves, I don't know, they must just hate Butch with a passion and get into some feuds or something. Because by, by the way, we should clarify, it was not a swing lesson, it was a confirmation meeting. Confirmation meeting, yes, sorry. <laughs> we got to make sure we get our vocabulary right, but su- <laughs> sub 10,000, I like Ricky this week, especially in a small field. This might be, this seems like a time that Ricky would win, right? Whenever it's kind of not necessarily a huge tournament, but got some good players in there, you know, bottom of the field's no, not particularly there. No cut, so it got that going for him. So I think Ricky's got a chance. Now, by the way, fun fact, Sam, you sent this out, and I saw it yesterday on Twitter. Stat of the day, Ricky Fowler has won more recently on the PGA Tour than Xander Shoffley. There's your fun fact yeah. for the day. That leads me into 1,100. Xander Shoffley. 11,000. We'll 1,100 would be phenomenal value. Yeah, <laughs> let me take off a zero here. Yeah, that makes it look a lot better. Um, yeah, I think Xander will finish second this week in the tournament. I'm oh. not sure if Ricky's going to win, but and I'm not Hideki. sure. Hideki has a chance. I mean, you're one for one now, Sam, and with the other sport, you're turning your betting around, my friend. Absolutely. So, I mean, I mean it, you were you were on such a downhill slope that you had to start going uphill eventually. Yeah. We're, well, is it downhill or uphill? Because uh, you run faster downhill. Well, I'm t- I was thinking of a bank account. You know, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Taylor's thinking more of like a chart where it goes down and then it comes back up. Yeah, but Hideki's going to win this week. Regardless, but I'm going to pick Xander Shoffley at 11,000. Uh, and the reason why is because last time we saw him tee it up, he shot a little 63 game, 5.6 shots on the field at the CJ Cup in round four. And he's had great previous history in Japan, has some family over there, like Colby said. So Xander Shoffley is a no brainer for me this week. So he was almost as good on Sunday as our guest earlier on today's show, Taylor Gooch.
One shot, one shot worse. Yep. If they had a pizza bet on it, Xander would OTG pizza. <laughs> that uh, would have been crazy. Upper so, crust. So my winner of the tournament, this was a no-doubter for me, Hideki Matsuyama, 10,300. There we go, I Colby. Mean, Hideki Colby's this just week. Following, following daddy over here. Hideki has got it. I'm telling you, he's looking good. I like it. Normally when people load up on a player, it messes up. But when I'm the only one not on the train, it, that train's going to hit the well, gold jackpot so fast it's not even funny. Here's what worries me. And you, you had to know there was going to be a lot of overlap this week because it's a, a relatively weak field with only a few names at the top. But you and I, Taylor, both have Ricky. Sam, you and I both have Hideki. I don't know. Me and Sam both have Xander. And you and Sam both have... It, Me and Colby both have Strip. There's a lot of overlap. A lot of overlap this week. Me and Taylor both have Matt Jones. Who? Matt Matt down, Matt down. So, uh, yeah, by the way, I really like this golf course. I know we've only seen it once, and obviously it you get a little nostalgic because Tiger won the golf tournament, but I think it's a great golf course. That, that tee shot I was talking about with the water left, tree in the middle, the, the 10th is a great hole this year, assuming they don't get floods. They should be able to play it as a par four. It's a great hole. 16, you mentioned, is a great hole. 18 is a really good hole. I, this, to me, is a really good golf course. Well, and think about it, too. You mentioned it earlier, Colby. I mean, they got the two greens on each on each hole because of the uh, the different grass and the time mm-hmm. of the year. I mean, how... Boys. As, I've never played a course like that. So, I've even heard of it. So, I spent... Uh, Whenever we played Oak Tree National a couple months ago, before the round, I talked to Brant Job on the range for like 15 minutes uh, because we were about to have what was coming up. The Olympics were coming up over there, and I was talking to him about golf in Japan because he played in golf in Japan for several years, and he said tons of courses over there have two greens. They're just all over the place, and I think they're starting to do it less just because of the, the financial aspect of it, but a lot of those old courses over there have two different greens for two different seasons, and that is really cool. And like we saw when the pros went over there two years ago, if they're both in good enough shape this time of year, they can pick and choose which one they want to use uh, per day in the tournament, which is pretty cool in its, in its own right. There we go. Could you imagine some, just think of some random courses in Oklahoma. Then if they just built, like they had Bermuda greens for one time of year, then bent for the other. They just build another green right next to it. That'd A lot so of courses sick. would have loved that. That'd be so winter sick. we had. He- no Hefner North has the space for it. Hefner North should add a green to every hole. That way, instead of maintaining 36 greens, plus the practice facility and the part three courses, 42. Yeah, let's throw in another 36. Let's maintain 78 <laughs> greens All right. at Hefner. That's Question cheap. of the day. Can y'all tell me what time it is right now in Japan? Oh, let's boy. see. Um, I can guess. It's one forty-four right here. I, I'll, I'll go one forty-four a.m. No, it's oh, okay. Over there is my guess. Let me see here. So I'm trying I'm to assuming think. Assuming that's not right, or you would have reacted differently. <laughs> so usually, <laughs> if it's ten o'clock here, that's about the time they start teeing off. So that would be eight. Give me. So what would that be? Eleven. 11 p.m. Not even close. It's three forty-four. You so were pretty close. Fourteen Colby. hours ahead of us. I yep. figured halfway around the world, twelve hours. So they're fourteen hours ahead of us. Yep. So, so when are you going to watch the? <laughs> when are you going to watch the Zozo? Oh, that's a great question. When am I going to watch the Zozo? I don't know. I don't know if I'm even going to watch it. I'll probably watch it uh, Saturday night at your house at the Halloween party. Oh yeah, oh, yes, we have the Halloween, Halloween party that's coming. Probably up. the latest I'll be staying up this week will be <laughs> on Saturday, Saturday night, night. At the Halloween party. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a time. T Dub says he's being secretive about his costume. Colby, the, what are you? The, 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 the missus made me promise not to tell. <laughs> what are you, I, Colby? I got, <laughs> I got higher powers here. I got to abide by it. Uh, my wife and I are both going as ninjas. <laughs> okay. Very, very sneaky. Very stealthy. This, okay. very basically, sneaky. my plan all night is to hide behind things and pop out and scare people. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'm a ninja. You got to be stealthy. So, Out of all the people I know, you would enjoy that the most. Dude, I love hiding behind things and popping out and scaring people. It's, I had an older sister growing up. 
It was like my favorite hobby. I would hide around corners in our house if I knew, like if I saw her coming or I could hear her talking, she's leaving my parents' room or something. <laughs> I'd hide around the corner in the living room, pop out, boom, every time. Every time. Every time. I'm I used to do it to my wife, but now she's pregnant, so I've dialed back a little bit on the pranks, on I'm the going, jokes. I'm going Top Gun, but nice. I have a little twist to it, and I'll, I'll keep that secretive. Oh, okay. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's not Tom Cruise. Is it going to make think. you sexier than you even are? Oh, man. I'm going to have major cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Great stuff today, Taylor. Uh, Williams, Sam Humphreys with me as always. I'm Colby Powell. Big shout out to Taylor Gooch for joining us today. Everybody head over to golfoklahoma.org. Follow us on social media at the 73rd hole, 73rd hole on Instagram. Find Taylor Gooch on Twitter and Instagram, Taylor Gooch. Uh, that's T-A-L-O-R, no Y in Taylor Gooch. There is a Y in Taylor Williams. It gets very confusing. There's a Y in Taylor Morris. Just there's a lot going on with the Taylors. Uh, we appreciate everyone joining us today. Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>